For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? Well, there are so many things that we're going to celebrate today. Uh, first of all, I just got my copy of When We're Singing, and I am celebrating the fact that Johnny Ray Miller is back on this show. He, I can't get enough of you, Johnny. Oh, man, it's great to be back. I mean, you were here just a few days ago, and you're back. Uh, but uh, I ask you before, I'm going to ask you again, what are you celebrating today? Oh, man, sunny days, a hot cup of coffee and a Christmas mug. Uh, <laughs> I got to get you a Richard Skipper Celebrates mug. Yeah, right. Yeah, It's going to be coming to you. I just ordered a new shipment, so it'll be coming to you soon. I'll hold you to it. All right. But you've been, you, you have been immersed in the world of not only the Partridges, but the Cassidys. So, and that brings you, I guess, to our very special guest today. And this incredible book, I want to tell you how much I love this book. First of all, the other night, our Easter dinner, uh, we were sitting around. If you don't believe me, we were sitting around talking about this book. And one of my guests at the dinner table, Kathleen Huckberg, we were talking about the book and she just wrote, just got her book. She oh. ordered the book after our, I mean, I was sharing this book with everyone at our dinner table the other night. Oh my gosh. Uh, it is incredible. Uh, everyone said, this is a children's book for adults, but uh, it's it's a children's book for everyone. And I love that it says in the book uh, that this is to the child who lives in all of us. And I wanted to share this with everyone because as I was reading this book, I read it when it first arrived, I couldn't put it down. And then I picked it up this morning and I went through it again. And the illustrations, every aspect of it is just so incredible. And it captures, you know, the dreams that we have as a child, uh, it, the perceptions uh, that we have about meeting our idols and what we believe that they're going to be or not going to be. You and I were talking before we went live. Uh, first of all, you and I have a lot in common. Uh, even though we never met before uh, we sat down to talk a couple of weeks ago, we both grew up at a time where we had three networks. We grew up watching uh, these iconic television shows. And what we loved about those shows is that those artists from our generation shared screen time with those artists from our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation. So we grew up with a healthy respect for these great iconic artists that came from other generations. So we knew who James Cagney was. Right. We watched him on the Late Late Show. And last night, TCM was sharing, uh, they were showing once again, Yankee Doodle Dandy. And because I was going to be doing the show, I sat down and watched it again. And there he was you know, on screen, just as if they he did it yesterday. Yeah. So it's great. It is great. I loved those old movies too. When I was growing up, I was um, always the one, I always say this, I was that nerd who stayed up late on the weekends to watch the late night movies at 1130 and one o'clock, you know, that would come on. And it was always James Cagney and uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. And I mean, you name it. Humphrey Bogart was one of my favorites, my personal favorites. And yeah, I was the guy who read the TV guide from cover to cover and memorized all the dates and the years of the movies. And then, you know, be sitting at the lunch table talking about that at school. Now, <laughs> I know mention, like the TV after you know school with the Partridge family and all that, too. So, yeah, I was definitely a TV bug. Now, this book is based on a true story, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments, but how did you and Ryan come together to make this book a reality? Well, I always say I'm the luckiest guy on the planet, and um, I was doing um, 
an autograph signing for the Partridge Family book for when we're singing. And um, I had the privilege of sitting next to Shirley. And so word was that Ryan was there uh, somewhere. And I was, you know, wanting to meet him. And, you know, Shirley said, oh, I think he's out in the hallway. And so a little bit later, he came in and we met. And uh, I think it was the next day he came back, or it may have been the next show. I can't remember. But he came back and he came up to my table and he just said, you know, I, I've had this idea for a book for a very long time. And um, he wanted to talk to me about it. And he immediately said, you know, for lack of a better uh, title, my working title in my head has always been James Cagney was my babysitter. And he kind of sheepishly said it and, you know, shrugged it off. And but I was like, I mean, I could see it just from the title. Just when he said that, I just could see it and I could envision everything. And as he was talking, I'm just kind of going, wow. Uh, you know, it was just, I felt synchronicity with him in his ideas and the way that he thought and what he wanted to convey. So, um, you know, it was just a no brainer for me. So as he was sharing this with you, I mean, were you seeing that childlike innocence coming through as he was telling you the story about that meeting with James Cagney? Like absolutely crystal clear. And that was one of the things that I connected to. Hey, and there he is. There he is. Yeah, that was. Hi, weird. guys. Hello, Ryan. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I. Uh, hey, John. Yeah. Hey, hey. I was just telling him all about, um, you know, how we met and how it got rolling. And uh, yeah, the connection. I was just talking about your um, sort of your voice that that came through the day that you were telling me this story and how you wanted to work on it. And, and, you know, it was the exact same. What he had was the same voice that I had when I talk about the Partridge family. So it was there was synchronicity there. With We understood there was a just a silent, quiet, mutual understanding uh, where each person was coming from. So, Ryan, you uh, I mean, first of all, uh, iconic parents, Jack Cassidy, Shirley Jones and Jack Cassidy tells you one day uh, this is all in the book. Uh, that uh, he's going to drop you off to spend an afternoon with James Cagney. And this story unfolds. Beautiful book, by the way. And I have Thank to you. give, you know, a shout out to, and I hope I get her name right, Andrea Carvajal. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, her name is Andrea uh, Carvajal. That's correct. Okay, great. That's, 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 that's how it would be said and pronounced. And she really captured uh, the uh, the older James Cagney. When we have these ideas of meeting our idols, and uh, as I was saying to Johnny before you came on, I was at a party once and uh, and I got to meet Faye Ray, and I have met so many uh, of my idols in life. And when you come face to face with them, sometimes they live up to your expectations, but mm -hmm. He was became much more than you expected him to be. And he opened doors for you in that one afternoon of just expanding your mind, it seems. Yeah, he well, first of all, it was something that was sort of uh, happened by accident. I, I, I wasn't a, a planned afternoon where I was going to be uh, going to the Cagney's residence and spending the afternoon with them. It happened um, by accident in, in that my, my mother and father were, uh, were going through a, one of their separations. And my, my, it was a day that my dad was going to take me out somewhere, pick me up uh, on the way to wherever we were going. Uh, uh, something came up with my dad on a, that was a personal matter. And he, kind of was like stuck with, well, I have to do this. And then it was sort of a, an afterthought, you know, that he was going to see his uh, Jim and his wife anyway that day. And we drove up to the Cagney estate, pulled up this long driveway and around this incredible circular driveway, this incredible home. Um, and Cagney was outside already, kind of opened up the door and came out and was waiting for us. He's a jaunty, kind of distinguished gentleman. And 
uh, he had a few moments with my dad and at that point said, you know, uh, I was suddenly spending the afternoon with him. My dad left and said, I'll be back soon to pick you up and uh, sat down and had some really wonderful moments with Cagney and, and, and his wife and ate an entire bowl of macadamia nuts that was sitting at the chair by the fireplace and saw some incredibly magical uh, views of different things that he had that were part of his decor, if you will, including some dioramas that were inset into his wall near his fireplace of these magical settings with these little gnomes and fairies and pirates and all kinds of really wonderful uh, puppets or little little people, if you will, uh, along with the setting, the magical setting that they were all standing in. And uh, that was part of the, uh, the, the entrancement, if you will, of how I was brought into it all and what lured me into wanting to learn more about Jim and his interests and where, how, how it sort of paralleled my interests in real life. And he, I believe, saw that there was a connection with a child and uh, wasn't his own child. It was a, a Jack and Shirley's boy. And I think took an interest in wanting to get to know me more on a personal level. Um, and he wanted to share some of his own interests with me that were his hobbies which were painting and drawing and uh, animals. And he, at the, during this time, he'd raised Morgan horses his whole life, or at least a good portion of his life, and had a, a place back east called Verney Farms. And then he ended up having a place on Martha's Vineyard. Um, and I, I, he shared so many different things with me uh, that were memorable. And again, I was a seven-year-old boy. So what connection does a 70, you know, 73-year-old man and seven-year-old boy have? Well, we actually had a lot in common. I think he was also uh, saw that my mother and father were going through a separation and wanted to make sure that my I was being taken care of. Everything was OK. He was a very protective man. So uh, that was something I sort of picked up later on. Uh, but through the, the afternoon spent with him, I left with uh, this notion of, of what an amazing human being I just met. Uh, kind of didn't forgot that he was this big movie star in the day. That really was an afterthought. And um, but as I got older and I grew up a little bit and started learning about, you know, some of these legendary Hollywood royalty folks, if you will, I, I learned about more about the Cag the Cagney movies and saw them and studied him and really took an, a fascination to, or interest, I should say, into his career, his life. And, um, I decided uh, that at some point I would share this wonderful afternoon with the world in some way and some on some platform, if you will, and didn't know how to do it. If it was going to be just a little journal that I was going to keep and talk about it in the journal and or if I would share it in a magazine, I didn't know how to do it. So uh, but it was uh, a story that had stayed with me and I buried it. And but I kept looking at that drawing in my home that stayed with me since that day. And that drawing was magical. That drawing kept speaking to me. Like you've got to tell that story about the afternoon spent with Jim. And I say, Jim, James Cagney. Um, so uh, we cut to, I meet Johnny and Johnny and I talked about it. Johnny had already written a book and uh, had a little, had an understanding about my family, you know, my brother, my mom, everybody. And it just seemed like the right person to talk to about my idea. And Johnny really took an interest in it. And Johnny and I immediately had this connection and understanding and similar interests. And so uh, that was really the start of it all. Well, I wanna talk a little bit about your trajectory, if you don't mind. Um, early on in your career, you, at before you, you know, decided to go down the path of uh, show business, you went in a different direction for a short period of your life. Uh, you were not going to go the route of the rest of your family. Um, what was it that sent you down that path? And then what was it that eventually brought you back? Well, I had had an interest in being a police officer. Uh, I, I always wanted to be in some public service job. I loved working with people. I wanted to give back. I wanted to give back something. 
I was given this incredible gift of a beautiful family of, uh, of a wonderful life. And I wanted to give back to people that maybe didn't, that didn't have that same gift given to them. So public service to me was always appealing. Mm-hmm. I was a people person by nature. Uh, I had an interest in law enforcement uh, for a myriad of reasons. But when I, when I was a 14 year old boy, still in actually 13, I was in my senior year in high school, I applied uh, with, in, with a program called the Law Enforcement Explorer Program with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, and all law enforcement agencies generally have them. It was accepted. I went through some training. I graduated. Uh, it was involved with that, and that's really what sparked my interest to really make it a career for myself. Well, through that window of time that I was deciding what to do, uh, I was also interested in show business been around show business, show business my whole life uh, and had people interested, had, took an interest in me and wanting to manage and represent me as an actor. I chose to go down that path uh, and I landed a job on a, in a music video with Lionel Richie, Penny Lover song, and that just kept snowballing into more jobs and more jobs. And the law enforcement notion of being a cop was put on the shelf and the the acting aspect of my life or entertainment portion of it then paralleled into what I do now, which was that I'd already had some time in front of the camera and wanted to still work in the entertainment business, always had other interests. And my real interest was decorating, design, architecture, that kind of thing. And I ended up getting involved with working in set decorating art department work, which is what I do currently after 27 years, actually almost 30 years. And... Um, I, I work on the show NCIS, the the show that's the the Washington version of NCIS. We're going so it into all season. Together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all came together. And I, ironically, the law enforcement aspect of my life uh, didn't completely go away. I applied to become what they call a specialist with LAPD, and they, through a process of uh, of elimination, I was brought into that uh, program, and I work uh, doing. I work with LAPD. Uh, as in, in that, in that, in that way, uh, I volunteer my time with them. There's different programs that they have that, uh, are something that I'm involved with and I love it. I love working with people. Uh, it's an, it's a, a way for me to give back. And, uh, I don't make judgment on law enforcement. There's, you know, like anything, there's cops that aren't good cops and there's great There's a gremlin out there. This program, yeah. And I've had nothing but great experiences with this program, and I will continue to do it. Well, God bless you for all of that. Uh, you know, getting back to this story, um, you know, one afternoon in your life that is uh, life-affirming and life-changing as well, um, and you've had this idea in the back of your head, and I believe in synchronicity, uh, so you and Johnny come together, and this idea... You, you again. You you mentioned earlier. You didn't really know the the format that it would take. Whether this would end up in a magazine or a story, you knew that it would always find a way of getting out there. Uh, when you and Johnny sat down to begin working together, and either of you can take the, the reins with this uh, and run with it, uh, as you began to work together, how did it come together that this would become a children's book? You go. I always, I always had a, an idea of it being a children's book because I, I was a child at that time. And what morphed into the book, the story, uh, the dedication was the idea that I wanted to create a children's entertainment book, if you will, that told the story of my experience with Jimmy Cagney. And, but that also appealed, I, I knew that it would, that kids would not know who James Cagney is in this, in this gen, in, in 2023. What, what the end result was, was that you didn't have to know who James Cagney right. was, that if you read the book and you, and you saw the cover and it sparked your interest, that you would know who James Cagney was after reading the story, which you can read in 15, 20 minutes. And that might then create an interest into 
who was this man? And wow, what a great book or whatever it was that you thought and you wanted to see his movies. So my thought process was not only does it tell a sweet story, but it brings this generation into who James Cagney was. And maybe that that generation, this generation will want to see his movies and learn more about who he was. And what was your process of working? To, uh, Johnny, it looks like you have something you wanted to say. I was just Sorry. thinking about, um, uh, yeah, the whole idea. Like, I'm kind of an old movie buff, too. Um, put aside my fascination with the Partridge family and television. But um, I, I really feel strongly about uh, keeping alive the classic era, the golden era of Hollywood. So not only was this interesting to me, because it was the Cassidy family, uh, but this this whole world that I used to absorb myself in when I was little of classic movies was part mm -hmm. of it too. So it was a perfect fit in so many ways for me. Now, what was your process in terms of working together on this? Our process was that we- Back and forth. Or, back. Yeah, yeah, he'd already written a book. We, I, I pitched the story to John um, first day that we sort of got to know each other and I, a sort of a, a light bulb went off and I thought, I want to tell him the story that I have. I had been wanting to write a, a book, James Cagney was my babysitter for 25, 30 years or a story about it and didn't know how to do it. And John was the bridge. I, I realized that he was the man that might be able to make this happen with me because even though I, it was something I could have done on my own, uh -huh. I, I wanted somebody that had already written a book that had an understanding of, of storyboard, narrative, all that kind of thing, just knowing how to actually, you know, uh, create it. And I wanted to collaborate with somebody that had the same, that saw the same vision that I did with what this would end up being. And John had that. And what I knew, oh, thanks, Ryan. What I knew um, was how important it was uh, for Ryan's voice, the voice that he heard in his own head and the voice that other people hear, that he um, stick to that voice of his. And we would talk about this story back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I love to like, you know, relate it to with my Partridge Family book, which is like 460 pages, right? So this one is 64 pages, but this one was just as hard, uh, I think, because... It feels like it's five pages. I mean, you sit down to read it before you know it. You've read the book. I mean, well, it, that's a testament to both of you. It's incredible. Oh, thanks. Well, we, we together, we labored over every word. I mean, uh, we did. And, and that's the difference I, I like to kind of compare with Partridge Family book. I labored over every paragraph every sentence. But with this one, we labored over every word. And um, just Ryan was always meticulous about um, that it was his voice and that, that he put down on paper uh, his true voice, which was there from the day we met. I mean, when he stood and told me about it the day we met, like his childlike presence kind of came through and I could relate for me, it was the Partridge family, you know, and here he was with his own experience. So it's a universal experience on some level, right? Um, and the way that he told it, like, I could just hear it and see it all. I, I can't, I don't know if yeah. I can articulate it any better. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. He, I had to find the person that visually lived that experience with me as John did. And he created it as, as if he was with me that afternoon. And that's what I was looking for. Somebody that could say, wait a minute, this is something I, I completely understand. And let's get this going. Let's start this. This is, this is great. Because I, I knew that it was a special story. I knew that it was certainly a special afternoon that stayed with me, never, never left me. And I, and I had to, uh, and it had some messages in it. And I had to, I had to share it. I had to. Ryan, um, I mean, he really led the way on everything. He, he led the way on, um, you know, the, the manuscript, how it would sound. And I was like a checkpoint person who would say, I've heard you, you know, we would talk, we would, 
we would talk the story uh, many times through. And one of the things I would kind of do as my job that I saw it was to find the common narrative all the time. So, okay, you use this phrase, this particular phrase all the time. These yeah. words came once, those words came another time, but, you know, stick to your common narrative to keep his, so that he would keep his voice really pure. Um, there was never any concern about anything that went into this other than keeping it pure, pure of heart. Yeah, pure. I had to, I, I had to make sure that it was completely authentic mm-hmm. yeah. from the from the perspective of my experience, my memory, and how I could uh, relay that or or tell that story that would uh, that a, a child and an adult would understand. And I, I really tried to um, create every little corner of that afternoon and make it as authentic and real as I, as, as I possibly could. And John was very helpful in helping me do that. You certainly succeed with this. I mean, even without the, the incredible illustrations that are there, uh, I mean, just the idea, and I'll give you an example from my perspective, you sitting in that overstuffed chair and from the perspective of who your dad was and what he had instilled in you as a child and how comfortable uh, James Cagney allowed you to be uh, and that transition. Uh, and you can feel it, uh, it, it on the pages of that okay. transition taking place from you being able to go, okay, it's okay. It's okay. I can do it. I can do it. And <laughs> you can feel it on the pages just popping right off. And that's without the illustrations that are great. Uh, thank you, Richard. That's, that means you made my day. I, I really, that's, that was the objective uh, between Johnny and I and our publisher. We really, I think we really accomplished what we set out to do and maybe even created a, a bigger, uh, you know, bigger and better than what we thought was going to, you know, and it was, it was a bit of a, a risk, like anything you're trying to, trying to share a story that's really never been done in this, in this way, at least from this, this was unique for me because I'd never written a children's book or a book for that matter. And, uh, and the collaboration with John and our publishers and for everybody to, to, to be sold on it, to make it happen was really a bit of a risk, but we did it and we, and we did it. We were all in unity together, making it happen. And yeah. that was the most amazing part of this whole journey was yeah, that, that everybody really was. was on the same page. I no pun intended, no that. pun intended, but literally yeah. on the same page every day. Well, Johnny, I know that with your previous book, you did everything yourself pretty much. I mean, you were chief cook and bottle washer. You went through a publisher with this book. With this title, and I know that it's difficult to get any book published these days, and especially with generations changing, uh, was this an easy book to sell? Or did you? what were the obstacles that you had to go through uh, to, or was it easy selling for uh, both of you? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that when you really believe in something like we both did and not just believe in it, but connect to it. And we, you know, we had our own, both, we both had a connection for different reasons to it. And with that, it's kind of, um, it's very easy to sell because it is what we wanted it to be. Like with the Partridge Family book, the experience was kind of the same mm-hmm. because, and that's where I could, that's one of the things I could offer Ryan in all of this was, for example, at one point, so I hired all the right people. We raised, uh, it was done through Kickstarter and I hired a great editor and she was fantastic as a person, as an editor and everything. And in the end I was over budget and we were needing to cut 75 pages to make the budget. And I was really struggling with that. And she said to me one day, this is your book. And I think that if you 
If you never sold a copy and it sat on your mantle, you would be happier than if you sold, you know, a bunch of copies. And it was that philosophy. I kept my 75 pages and I paid for it myself because I wanted it to be what I wanted it to be. And so that experience has really paid off for me. And so that experience was something that I could sort of share with Ryan as he led the way through this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in staying true to yourself and trust me, it's going to work. And it has, you know, it, it's really exactly what we, I think, Ryan, when you say it's exactly what we wanted it to be. Yeah, it is absolutely exactly what we wanted it to be. And, and ha had I, I, when I say that this was a labor of love, I did, I had no, there wasn't a thought about, this is a book that I need to make to make a little, an extra buck. I need to do this for, uh, you know, I'm going to, I want to be a writer and I want to share the stories of my childhood growing up. This was really a labor of love. It was a, a real labor of love that John collaborated with me on. And he, he, he got, he caught the bug, meaning that he, it was a labor of love with, with both of us. And while making, while walking the journey of when the book was starting to come alive was just absolutely remarkable as far as the emotions that it brought me every day. Mm -hmm. I would wake up and I would see these new illustrations that, the, that they would send me for approval and I just was overwhelmed. It was like, yeah. you've got to be kidding me. What an amazing experience to go through life with this, time capsule that I that I lived in as a seven-year-old that I'm now sharing with the world uh, through these illustrations that will be uh, on pages with narrative and part of the story. It was just remarkable, that experience. I would be rubbing away you know, tears every morning from my face while trying to get ready to go to work. <laughs> so now, it was, you know, uh, he's not exaggerating. He's not dramatizing. That's I'm very not clear. dramatizing it. He's not. And I would go to work and I would be like overwhelmed. Like I got to go now and be serious at work. And I'm just filled with this so much emotion about something that is truly cathartic that I'm living again, but, but living it visually. And what an ex amazing experience that is. Well, there was a moment in the book uh, that at the end of the book, uh, and I'm not going to tell anyone what it is, uh, but you'll know what it is um, by the book, everybody. Uh, and that was something that James Cagney said to Shirley about you, that he had, you know, that he wished for you. Yeah. And that I, it, it made me cry. And I thought, what a beautiful thing for him to say to your mom. Um, and when she shared that with you, I can only imagine what that meant to you for him to say that many years later to you, for, to, for you to hear that. It never, it never left my, my thought, my, yeah. my, my mind, my, my, my memory bank, if you will, it just never left it. I stored it away for years and I would, I would periodically revisit that and build a storybook in my mind of how I wanted this book to be. And then finally had to figure out a way to execute it and pitch it and get it done. And uh, I'm filled with nothing but gratitude, not only to John, but to our publisher and to our, our publicist, to people that have already purchased the book. Oh, you've got an incredible team. I want to say um, this. shout out to all of them. If they're all incredible. Because you've got yeah. an amazing team, and uh, every uh, writer out there should have your team. Um, uh, so I'm just truly, people. truly blessed, and, and I really mean that. I, I, and I, I live in gratitude every day about it. Uh, I, again, whether it sells another, however many copies it sells or it doesn't sell anything, I'm grateful for the for the copies that have sold and the people that appreciate it and the smiles that it's put on people's faces. That's what makes me happy. That's the most rewarding gift I could have ever asked for. I want to talk a moment about Andrea, the illustrator. How did you find her? How did she come into the mix? I didn't find her. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, our publisher found her. And they ha I don't believe that they've, they had worked with her before. So this that was yeah. kind of a... It, now, it was a... Uh, 
a collaboration that they had to build on. Uh, but boy, I'll tell you, once they found her and she sent some samples, it was clear that she was the right lady for the job. She was, you know, to kind of build on that too. We have, first of all, we have the greatest publisher that you could ever dream of. Goodnight Books um, specializes, of all things, in books about old Hollywood. Yeah. So they very much care about the subject matter. Um, and, and so when they brought Andrea in, I kind of quietly sat back and thought, wow, she's young. Like, oh, I don't know. You know, she, she, she doesn't know who the Cassidy's are. Yeah. And this girl is, well, it speaks for itself. She's so talented. She captured everybody. I mean, little Ryan, if you see pictures of Ryan. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it looks like me. It's a, it looks exactly like him. And Shirley, oh my God. It, it's I'll just show know. just one. There. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. exactly a setting that I would have been in as a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yes. On the set of the Partridge family, sitting there with a script in my hand. So none of that, none of those drawings were exaggerated or are or, or made to sell the book or the story, rather. That's all real stuff. That all really happened. Yeah. How long did it take you uh, from start to finish? Wow, a long time, huh, Rob? Yeah, it did. It took uh, well, certainly through the through, through the COVID year. It, mm. You know, when everybody was on shutdown, we were working on it, and then once the publishers got really involved with us, and we all collaborated on how we were going to do it, and everything was ready to go, it got it, it came together really fast. And uh, the publishers really knew how to execute this. And they said, okay, let's make a book. They, I, I basically got them on a Zoom call. I pitched the story. Um, they got it. And they believed in it. And boy, was that a relief. Because when, when you have a publisher that invests their time and money into your book and your story, you're lucky. And they did, and they believed in it. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful to both of them. And they know it because I let them know every five minutes how grateful I am to them uh, for them taking on this job with us and making it happen and seeing it and having the vision for it that they had, as Johnny and I did. Yeah. So I've got a two-part question here. Uh, First of all, uh, when you got the actual hard copy of the book, if both of you can take us back to that moment when you're holding your baby in your hand for the first time. So what that experience was like for both of you. Oh, Ryan, you go first. Ace, <laughs> uh, uh, a, 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 an accomplishment like nothing I've ever experienced. And a, a feeling of I'm able to now give back a piece of a piece of my life to anybody that's willing to 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 see it and read it, because it was a real honest piece of my life that did take place that is now in a, in, a, in book form and I'm able to share it. And if, if it gives a happiness or a perspective in, in somebody's mind that is positive then I did my job right. And uh, I was, I was a little bit in shock when I first got it and beyond elated, I was over the moon and it was something that changed my perspective and my priority list of what was really important in my life in terms of making a difference and really what counted. And this book, I believe, if you're willing to buy it and, and take the chance on it, I think can send that message. So oh, We're selling a few more. People are just saying that they're buying it now. So, uh, Johnny, um, same question. Yeah. Um, so I had a long background in the, in the arts and the theater. And I know that feeling of when when you've done something that you fought for uh, because it's pure art, you know, and it's not 
clogged up with all this outside stuff that everybody wants to shove on you when you fought your way through for something that's like pure art and when it happens it gives you kind of a chilling experience from top to bottom so anytime i've met i'm not from a celebrity world like ryan is anytime i've ever met a celebrity one of the things i always think is wow they're smaller than they are on tv or you know <laughs> smaller than tv right in this case when i got Always. the book the copy of the book it was the opposite i was like this is bigger than yeah. you know the I, pictures we've been seeing on our phone we saw the art as it was coming through but to hold it to touch it uh it yeah. was big to me it was like wow uh so it was kind of that experience and that and that same experience of like this thing is the art that we wanted like this exactly. is pure art that we wanted it to be. Nobody got in our way. Nobody told us what to do. It was purity uh, in its truest form. And that gives me chills just talking about it. That's great. Now, the second part of that question, Ryan, who was the first person that you shared this book with, the hard copy? Was it your daughter? My daughter. Mm -hmm. Yep. She was the very first person that I shared it with. My daughter. Well, I wrote it in the book. It was written in the book that my daughter was an inspiration for actually following through and completing this, the book. Mm -hmm. uh, she had. My, my daughter is an artist and uh, and she had drawn some illustrations of what she thought that day was like in her little illustration book. Oh, that's and right. those motivated me. She said, Dad, this is. You know, tell me more of the story so I can I can create it in a storybook in my illustration book. And she did that. And as I started seeing those come alive, I realized this could be a reality. Johnny. So um we were given uh, X number of copies to have for ourselves, right? And they were gonna ship them to us. Well, it turns out that the printing company was driving distance from where I live and a couple of hours but i could not wait i was like I, i'm can i go there and and get the book myself right now today and the answer was yes so a uh, buddy of mine in the neighborhood like just a guy who had a truck <laughs> we drove up there and got the book and so he would have been the very first person a friend of mine in the neighborhood who uh i officially shared the book with because he helped he helped me pick up my copies and it was, it was cool, man. It was just like, again, like it's that, uh, that artistic experience come to life for real and you're touching it and it's, you know, you know, you're on the road to the next chapter. I'm going to put a lot of pressure on both of you. I want to see an animated movie of this. All I right. I want to see this at the Academy Awards, winning an Oscar for Best Animated Short Feature, or maybe Feature Film. <laughs> I'm all in. So who do you know that you can refer us to? I, you know, but, well, you know, believe it or not, I've known people who have done this, so, uh, sure. yeah, and they've made their dreams, you know, it, it happens. Um, where do you, uh, where do you want to see this uh, going, and, you know, and what's happened since the book has come out for both of you? Well, the ride is is too precious to get too far ahead of, mm -hmm. I think. Like, I love the ride. I love the fact that you just said that. Thank you. You know, in the theater, you're always taught, enjoy the ride. But I will be honest with you, in the theater, I was always trying to get from A to Z, and I never really enjoyed the ride. Um, and that was until I started riding that I realized that the experience was everything. And yeah. that's where I'm at with it. So, yeah. Exactly right. Right. Don't you think like the possibility? I, I, you took the I, words out of my mouth. That's exactly oh. my same sentiment. It's exactly my same sentiment, sentiment and feelings. Exactly. Like every day I pinch myself. The, and I know the, that's the journey, the, the ride. The, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey and the travel on getting there. And, it seems and, like if you stay with you the know. ride too, it's yeah. amazing where the, what, what the destinations are. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's amazing. It's very true. Yeah, you, you, uh, you, uh, those are exactly my same thoughts and sentiments, exactly. Ryan, with all that you've done, now that you've got this next item on your resume, uh, I mean, I, I, 
for me, it's like I want more. <laughs> it's you know, do you? I mean, do you see? Well, there may be more. <laughs> are the two of you thinking about other? You know, yeah. of these books. Yeah, you, I, you, you actually uh, you read my mind. I I, I see yeah. a series of um, of books told in, in a similar setting from my perspective of, of a from being a child and having these really unique experiences that have a message behind them that can be shared uh, in this way that that can be for adults and for children. Yeah, I, the very first illustration that we see in the book is you with the movie posters behind you. Yeah. And which is very interesting. I mean, Johnny and I both were talking before you came on uh, from both of our perspectives that we were as far removed from that world as anyone could possibly be. <laughs> yeah. And yet here you are, you grew up in that world yeah. and you also were pulled into that world as well that you were had that love of film and you were starstruck too as a kid yeah very much so i had an interest in history as a child and there certainly is a lot of history with hollywood and so as i developed and grew up a little bit and started to see all these incredible movies that were made and people that i'd met that were in them it really became full of, of so much and, and it was so real. It was like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, I, and I uh, had taken an interest in, uh, in old movies and old Hollywood and uh, film locations and old studios and all the history that were, you know, the, all the famous movies that were done on these studio lots that I've worked on you know, I would I, I would be working on a show, and I find out that the stage we were on was where they, where you know the uh, Wizard of Oz was filmed, or you know some incredible movie. And I just on my lunch break would be exploring all the details of that stage and took an interest in it. So that that is just something where my mind goes naturally because it's I love history, and because I was born and raised in the film business and television. There's a lot of history to be found here and to be learned and then taught. And, uh, and, I, and I really am grateful for the experience and for the fact that my father, I believe, had an interest in, in history and that rubbed off on me as a child. And we both had an sort of kindred spirits when it came to you know, um, museums, vintage things, vintage cars, all that kind of stuff. And, and that never left me, you know, I mean, even as a child, I remember having the very similar taste that I have now as a, as an, as an adult. And, um, you know, you just, that just grows and it gets, it gets richer and, 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 and you, and you then take it in hope that you give it to somebody else that they understand it. And if they don't, that's okay too. But, you know, it's part of the journey of life. So. Well, another aspect that I love of the book, and thank you both for including this, is that at the end of the book, you do give us a Reader's Digest version of James Cagney's career. Uh, for those who may not know, younger kids that may not know who he is. So hopefully you're opening a whole new world uh, to kids. Um, I have a dear friend, um, Robert Creighton, I hope you're watching, uh, who is... I don't know if you both know this. Uh, Robert. Uh, Robert Creighton is going to be playing Cagney on Broadway. Do you know this? Do you know uh, Robert? I, I, I know him. Yes. And uh, he is a, he is a, one of my, I, I, I revere him. I look up to him. I think he's incredible. Uh, he's Robert. an incredible talent. And uh, I have nothing but the greatest respect for him. And he's a, he's a, a friend. And I, I really admire him and respect his work. So we're hoping to get that uh, next season. We're going to see, uh, I think the new working title is uh, Top of the World uh, for Cagney Fantastic. on Broadway. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Johnny, before you uh, started working on this particular project, um, were you familiar very much with James Cagney's body of worth, as I like to refer to it? Uh, yeah. Were you familiar with uh, that? And if not, did you go back and begin to look at his uh, films as you were working on this? 
I was familiar because um, for, again, all the kind of obvious reasons I had been in the theater, right? So I, was, I knew that James Cagney was a singer and dancer. And I, I think a lot of people kind of get lost in the idea that he was a gangster actor. And I, I loved all that too, because like I said, I would stay up late and watch these movies and, you know, White Heat was one of my favorite ones, right? right? Um, so I was pretty attuned to his work. Um, it was just, um, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Is it, am I, I'm supposed to be too young for this, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I lost it. Um, <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Do you have uh, a White Heat you just mentioned? Is that your favorite uh, Cagney film? I would say probably, yeah. Yeah. Ryan, do you have a favorite Cagney film? I have several. White Heat's up there with, with being in the top three. Uh, Man of a Thousand Faces is probably number two, and number one is Yankee Doodle Dandy. Mm. Which, again, like I said, it was great to watch it again last night. But Love Me or Leave Me, it's up there. You know, I, I just can't get enough of that film. Him and Dara stay together. Just, you know, great film. Uh, and uh, and I, you know, and also uh, Ron Abel is a very dear friend of mine. And I know Ron. He's yes. a nice man. Yes. Years Wonderful ago, man. I had the great pleasure of having... Uh, you know, having drinks with your mom and Marty um, at uh, Feinstein's with Ron. So, uh, you know, I just want to send good wishes to your mom. I hope everything, you know, she's Thank doing you. well. And she just had a birthday. And Johnny, yeah. if you saw that show, did a beautiful rendition of Happy Birthday for her. So <laughs> <laughs> I sang Happy Birthday to your mom last time. Uh, we won't yeah. categorize me as a singer. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> so that has well, Mom is doing. Yes, yeah, she's doing good. My last thought came back uh, to me. Right. You were talking about the book and how it was different than being just a children's book. That's what uh, my thought was. I wanted to okay. jump in here on. Um, we had talked. What was interesting was uh, Ryan had been influenced by a Shel Silverstein book, right? And the Giving so, Tree. The Giving Tree. So that was one of the influences. Um, I was influenced by um, a Dr. Seuss book called My Many Colored Days, which was published posthumously. And then I had been doing a book, some book signings with the Partridge Family book, and I uh, met Dreama Denver, Bob Denver's widow. Mm -hmm. And she had done a book called Four Bears in a Box that was a quote-unquote children's book. But what was interesting about this book was that it had – stuff in it that went beyond like the the story that she wrote the the illustrations and the story it had stuff about bob denver and how the book came to be and i thought that book was so interesting how it was done because you couldn't categorize it really as a children's book so when i was telling him about it he had the idea that you know we could do that with um, yeah. some information on james cagney so that's how that stuff ended up in there. It's really, uh, the publisher would tell you this is a novelty book, uh, which is different than a children's book, but bookstores right. don't have categories for that. So it goes into the children's book category. Yeah, I believe it goes into the children's entertainment section, uh, if, if you will. I may be wrong about that, but that was my understanding. E either way, it does go into the children's section and the children's section on in any of these big bookstores is massive, yeah. as you might know. So um, I'm, you know, I'm just really pleased that it's out there and that it's getting some momentum and that people are liking it. As as uh, we've been talking about, I I really didn't know what where it was going to land, and um, I guess because I had the experience of living it and then reliving it with the book being made. It was, uh, I, I was, whatever way it went was okay as long as, uh, it, it, as I said, that maybe if it just made somebody happy and it made a difference in someone's life, then we did the right thing and we accomplished our tasks. So I'm, again, I've, I, I know this sounds you know, repetitive and it, I'm just filled with great, great gratefulness and gratitude, right? Rather not great, great, just filled with gratitude about it. It's incredible. I, um, I, I wake up with gratitude. I go to bed with gratitude. And uh, this book is a big part of that. Well, I have to say, Ryan, you're singing my song and dance. Uh, 
Yeah, the book is incredible. Uh, my assistant, uh, Rosa Puzo, uh, when she reached out and all she had to say is the title. And I said, see if you can get them. That's all she said. Uh, the title, it hooked me from the very beginning. I want to thank you both for being here. And if there's anything I can do in terms of getting this the word out on this, I will do everything in my power because the book is just incredible. Everyone, James Cagney was my babysitter. I'm going to give my closing remarks, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Johnny. And Ryan, you will have the final word today. Uh, it could be about thank anything. You spoke about today uh, that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you just want to leave everyone with today. Um, as all of you who tuned in today, and I thank all of you who tuned in, uh, I have a group of followers that tuned into every show. Thank you uh, for being here. Uh, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Call your favorite bookseller and ask if they have this on their shelves. And if they don't, uh, tell them they should get it. And then order two copies, one for yourself, and then someone uh, send one to your own James Cagney in your life. Um, all of us have a James Cagney in our life. That person who made a difference in our lives. For me, uh, the James Cagney in my life was my next door neighbor, uh, Miss Marion Cacharo. When I was a small kid, she was a summer neighbor. She came over and I would go over and we would play Yahtzee and listen to show tunes. And uh, she believed in me when sometimes no one else did. Uh, she told me to always follow my dreams. And she never said that I could not do anything that I didn't put my mind to. And uh, she made a huge difference in my life. Uh, I end every show by telling everyone to pick up the phone and call someone that you haven't spoken to in a long time. Think about that James Cagney in all of your lives that you haven't spoken to in a long time and call that person and let them know how they made a difference in your life. It's an important thing to do. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call and let them know how they've made a difference. Uh, I have a dear friend, he says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. And I always say, it doesn't matter what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to turn it over to you, Johnny. Thank you both for being here. And you're always welcome on the show. Johnny, it's all yours. Thank you. Wow. Well, you know, I have to say, um, without sounding cliche, if you can dream it, it can be real. And I think the story of, of Brian's is um, an example of that true stories can be happy endings because this one was and is pure and true and real and happy in the end. So uh, dream it and believe it. And that's my closing message. I love it. And mine is, is everything that, that both Richard and John said. Uh, and added to that, I think if, if, if you do a good deed for somebody and you don't tell them that you did it and you just do it, that's something that you should possibly take on and, and do at some point uh, today or in the next few days. And uh, the other thing I want to say is that I think that that James Cagney that you have that meant something to you, write about it. Pull out a pad and write about it. And you'll find that it makes a difference in how you feel. And you may uh, elaborate on it and it may spark something inside of you that where you can tell your own story about something that was very endearing to you that stayed with you. Because my experience never left me and I, and I, and I wanted to give it away. My feeling is that you can't keep something unless you give it away. And I, this was an experience that I wanted to give away to other people to, to read about and so that they could have an experience. And maybe that could then enlighten them and charge something in them that they could then find their own James Cagney. So I'll leave it at that. I'm very grateful for this wonderful um, interview and uh, be able to share my point of view of how this book was made and got this.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.